This is The New Right, a podcast for the lost arts, reclaiming the literary holy land from the heathen. This is Dan Baltic. And this is Matt Pegas, back after a few weeks of absence. And a very welcome return it is, because the podcast is not the podcast without the two of us. And um, we are. this is a very special episode, because we did last year... So this is episode 46, first of all, but last year we did a stocking stuffer episode, a kind of recap of everything we did from August to August of 2021 to, uh, I guess, like December of 2021. And uh, that was, you know, that was an hour long episode and we, you know, we did a lot of good stuff. We got the pot off the ground, but now we are going to do a recap of 2022. And as we were just discussing, Matt, it has been quite a year, has it not? It has. I mean, it's the year we really kind of came into our own more. Um, I remember that stocking stuffer episode. At that time, it felt like we've been going a little while, but it, you know, it was it wasn't even half a year, and now we have a whole year under our belt. And um, not to pat ourselves on the back too hard, uh, but as you were kind of saying, Dan, I mean, it really is a great um, opus of work. That we've done this year and uh i think really captures the scene i hate the word scene but you know the, yeah. the literary um environment online that we're a part of very well and um it is not to pat ourselves on the back too hard but i'm i'm pretty proud of what we've what we've accomplished this year oh thank you yeah no me too it's uh you know we've done some great stuff and you know when, when i think to where we were a year ago and where we are now you know, constantly like going out, partying with delicious tacos, hmm. going to like movie screenings with Jack, like, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're just, you know, up in it. Uh, Matt Forney is constantly throwing parties around my neighborhood. And, <laughs> you know, it's uh, I think, you know, our lives are 1000% more based than they were a year yeah, ago found adventure within our lives and um excitement i mean obviously you're kidding a bit about some of this but no there's really <laughs> a bit more of an irl sort of scene um that you've participated in more this year than me but nevertheless yeah um, i think not just our pod but a lot of people we know have um have accomplished great things in 2022 <laughs> absolutely yeah no it's irl speaking of irl scene well we did of course meet in person last year you came right. over around Thanksgiving time, again around Christmas time. But uh yeah, no, in um uh April or end of March, 
spent a week in LA hanging out with you. We did our delicious tacos episode. We did our uh, episode with Eris, which was Rest very special. Yeah. Rest in peace, Eris. Um, and no, uh, absolutely. I, I remember, and well, I don't know if you intro. I don't think we said this yet, but I think the way we'll structure this episode is we'll we'll kind of just go through each of the episodes we did and and say a little something, but yeah. but there's no point. There's no uh, harm in jumping around and uh, you know talk talk about things we've accomplished in 2022. Our pod obviously grew a lot. I, I definitely remember that week you came in. Uh, I think it was the, at the end of March through the, the first week of April. I, I felt like we were leveling up. Yeah. I remember because we did our in real life episode with tacos and, and the Harris episode was great. And that was also very shortly before um, tacos did his in real life appearance at um, I'm trying to remember what that hotel was even called, but he, he did a reading. Well, that was the forever Mag reading. It was the right? forever Mag uh party and it kind of felt like and you know i attended that obviously i met i met isaac simpson there who's now um you know friend very the personal friend in front of the pod two-time guest this year we'll talk about both those episodes uh, i recently published a piece which i'll take this opportunity to promote on isaac's the carousel about a, a layover i had in las vegas it's kind of a gonzo style piece so suffice it to say awesome piece and everyone, everyone should go read, read that it. piece it's good but i'm also just highlighting that isaac has become an important uh, connection as well uh, from around that time. Long story short, that week you came in 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 March and April, and and, and events subsequent to that were very much when I was like, "Holy shit, this is real!" Um, you know, we have a we have a real pod going, and we are growing. I remember Tacos tweeted us out. I was like, "This pod's not bad," you know. And his, oh yeah, I remember sort of, that. Uh, that was cool. understated praise, but nevertheless, and um, well, that's a tacos yeah, we, fashion. Gosh, all right, sorry, we're just good. You're right into it, I guess, which I guess is okay. But we did. We must have done the zero HP Lovecraft episode, like really that was not right after, after tacos. That. Yeah, that was probably our single biggest jump in terms of yeah, no, notoriety, <laughs> visibility. Uh, so yeah, we we were leveling up, and then raw egg, not our fir- oh, first yes. raw egg nationalist appearance was not long after that. Yeah, it just was that sense of like in a video game leveling up. Absolutely. coinciding with you actually being here and us hanging out which is of course awesome as yeah. always and uh we got to do and it again the new year whether i come to new I, York back here or both <laughs> i was going to say i will probably this is this is an announcement even for matt because he hasn't heard this but <laughs> i will probably be in los angeles i think somewhere in april or may because Fantastic. my girlfriend has a wedding in seattle which going with her too of course Yep. And uh, so Seattle, you know, it's just an easy hop down to L.A. Um, yeah. So Fantastic. stay, uh, stay well, tuned. Uh, like yeah, a, pretty much like too. a year after I was there last year. So, yep. Yep. So we'll have round two of that, which will be fantastic. I also I wanted to do a round two of my trip to New York from last November. That didn't happen this year, but I, I really mean to within the next yeah, I say within quarter one or at least the next, you know, the first six months of 2023. So um, some of the New York folks who listen to our pod, hopefully I can meet some of you. Um, But yeah, no. Well, you, you like, got a place to stay, Matt. Yeah, of course. Thank you. I think 2023 will have a lot of great content ahead, uh, but also uh, hopefully some some fun in real life. Uh, Absolutely. Well, perhaps that brings us into the uh, the list of the great episodes that we we did in 2022, and our uh, our gloss on them, our kind of like uh, you know recap with our personal impressions, 
And so the first episode of 2022, after the stocking stuffer, was our good friend, Last Things, returning to the pod. Last Things is a uh, video essayist. He has a a series of excellent um, vlogs, video essays on with based perspectives on Mm -hmm. pop culture. So Amazon's the boys. He examines from a, uh, a based, uh, you know, third positionist perspective. Yeah. Um, And, you know, many other, like, you know, take it away, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. No, last things things. um, was uh, he was, he was a a fellow member of the Justin Murphy forum that we met on. So I've kind of been following his work since then. He was an early guest of new, right. That I actually had missed that first episode. So part of, yeah, that was just me and him. Yeah. It was just you and him initially. And and that was a simulcast with his stream, I believe. And part of getting him back was because I had all these things I want to talk about uh, with him. One of which well, I thought his video essay on Amazon's The Boys, which is a show I still haven't seen, but I almost feel like I don't need to because his video essay seems to kind of condense all the most interesting aspects of it, uh, was one of the major motivations to get him back on. And um, that episode that we I think we recorded just a few days after New Year's, I think, uh, was a great was a great first episode. Um, and people should check out Last Thing's stuff. He, I, coincidentally, I think he just did, or maybe he scheduled it. I just saw it briefly on Twitter this morning. With, with Zero he HP. Either doing yeah. Or, yeah, did a, a stream with Zero HP, Lovecraft, uh, who who is a connection of his going going back a long while. And I mentioned earlier that our Zero HP episode kind of gave us a big boost in followers. Uh, in fairness to Last Thing's, he's not as well-known of a name as Zero HP, but I remember T.R. Hudson, another episode we'll talk about soon, um sort of uh i think he got in tr had had found us through yeah last, the right. last things has a has a reach as well and and maybe not as big a following as, as zero hp but uh but a very a following who very much respects his takes on things and he's you know he's a learned learned man and people should absolutely uh yeah i mean one thing that jumps out at me about lt and why i love talking with him and, you know, maintain a rapport even beyond the, our episodes, like, you know, back and forth about novels and whatnot. He uh, he is very well read and he yeah. does, um, you know, he does have these very kind of like based and dissident perspectives on things like like we do. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we share a, uh, a body of knowledge with him about contemporary literature and, um, you know, history and, and what have you. Oh, and TV he's show, just, you know, yeah, and, yeah no. He's absolutely the kind of uh, person that we're trying to reach with our pod and also the type of person we love to have on. And um, I mean, I don't want to, I think that hopefully we'll have him back on in 2023. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, we we have an episode uh, we're planning with him. Right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we know that. Good, good. But uh, yeah, so yeah, last things, awesome guy. You know, really one of the smartest uh, guys out there on our side thinking about the culture and looking forward to having him back after the last things episode we uh we did the the masculine urge to podcast <laughs> which is one of that was your your title matt it's one of my favorite episodes <laughs> yeah and uh so this this was drawing from our uh, i watching uh in the company of men when you were over here i think around thanksgiving or around christmas right, yeah. time of 2021 we watched in the company of men Neil Butte movie. It was very kind of like uh, proto based, pre- you know, predicted the kind of like the gender war, the culture mm-hmm. war before. This was back in like 1999, so this was way before any you know any 
shit hit the fan, but it was already on point. Aaron Eckhart plays like a uh, a Chad who's kind of gaming the hypergamous landscape to his you know great success. Mm-hmm. And literally, so, the guy's name is Chad, and I mean, oh yeah, actually, his name is literally Chad. Yeah. Yes, which was so, you know prescient. Yeah, um, and it's one of the great. I haven't seen all this guy's movies, but uh, one of one of the great Aaron Eckhart performances for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, it's just an underrated movie. I never heard of it before you introduced me to it. My favorite um, movie still. Yeah, it's in fantastic. The company of men. It's probably underrated because some people find it problematic or, or something. Uh, yeah, I which is why, why. I, which is why I rate it, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, um, <laughs> why I, you know, I'm not going to go googling right now. Last year, I remember it was like free. I think we rented it, and then it was like free on Crackle or something, and and hopefully it's streaming somewhere. It's definitely a great holiday watch. <laughs> yeah. If anyone is looking, yeah, no, it's uh, thought provoking. You know, your your girl will like it because Aaron Eckhart is being a Chad. You'll like it for the uh, deep and troubling perspectives it gives on our culture. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Yeah. Shout out to that movie and to Neil LeBute, who wrote the play and script. <laughs> That's right. Moving on to episode 14, Vapor Fornication with Robert Stark, big friend of the pod, big friend of uh, of you, Matt, and, and of yep. me. And, uh Yeah. Yes, my in real life friend Robert Stark. I actually just hung out with him on Christmas Eve. Um, awesome. Christmas, the day after Christmas. I don't think we we don't typically say the day we're recording per se, but well, I guess I put that in the description. Anyway, this is our little post Christmas episode. I guess that's another little scene setting detail here. And yeah, two, two days ago on Christmas Eve, I hung out with uh, with Robert um, where he lives in California. And yeah, Robert Robert's. Uh, I think we went over this on the pod and I've talked about it elsewhere, but you know, he's pretty much how I got into a lot of this scene. And, you know, I'm a co-host of his from way back when on his podcast, which I was just talking to you, Dan, about this. I mean, uh, some people know Robert for his Substack uh, on Twitter and for, you know, um, largely for that probably over the past couple of years, but going, he's kind of one of the original dissident, right? Podcasters. And I know G as they say, OG, um, you know, he's interviewed controversial, but like influential figures like Greg Johnson and Richard Spencer. Spencer. <laughs> um, right. And all those old interviews are worth checking out if you kind of for anyone who's kind of interested in the trajectory of this scene and how it came to be what it is now. It's much more diffuse now. I, I'm not necessarily identifying our pod with the original alternative right or anything, but, you know, it's one channel of uh of influence and definitely one that you can see a through line in a lot of Robert's work. And yeah, I, we were talking about like, you know, it's impressive or to us, it, you know, it's, we feel accomplished that we recorded uh, something like 45 episodes this year, but I really do think Robert has recorded hundreds, if not maybe over a thousand podcasts in his day. He kind of started during the Ron Paul movement of like 2008 and has slowly built up from there he was on well, also just like a, a tremendous yeah. number of like varied guests so we mentioned spencer but like also uh default friend also yeah, uh Ubermensch. like oh uh, yeah like I mean, a lot of more moderate and like more just eclectic guests that that have also been new right guests in certain cases like default friend also yeah. it's i think we probably talked Bimbo about Ubermensch, come on the pod absolutely oh we could probably i'm sure we could get her we should maybe we should make a note of that yeah. but, um, but no robert also interviews a lot of like random cultural figures like the director of that movie uh what's it called 
Miracle Mile from the 80s. And I actually found his podcast through the he interviewed Jamie Stewart, who's a ultra, ultra lib. I don't really know how he ended up on Robert Stark's podcast, but that's how I found it. I was looking for interviews with um this guy, Jamie Stewart from the band Juju. <laughs> in 2018, <laughs> that's how I, yeah. So I mean, it's a, it's a, the Stark truth with Robert Stark. Very well, uh, So also crucially, uh, this was uh, a, a podcast to discuss his novel, Vaporfornia. Yes. And in addition to being a, uh, a podcast host, Robert has uh, published uh, two novels, first Journey to Vapor Island, the second Vaporfornia, and they are kind of uh, like satiric, picaresque adventure novels, which, uh, you know, are uh, kind of skewering the, uh, the politically correct culture and feature uh, a sort of um, edgelord incel-esque protagonist, which is a familiar yeah. figure to many uh familiar figure certainly to uh to me in my writing so uh yeah yeah definitely... and lo and lo and behold i think the last thing he's prolific so it's maybe not the last thing but then we post this but one of the last things that robert posted on Substack was a very good review of nutcranker thank you robert and, yeah and, no you know, that I was an excellent robert... review we really appreciate yeah. it i, I, really I turned robert it. onto nutcranker on i think even before it was published because it's definitely in the wheelhouse of the kind of satirical zany content that that his novels are all about too so if you liked not cranker um robert's books are a little bit less polished <laughs> to put it one way but uh but nevertheless i i would say that if you like not cranker it's worth dipping into some uh, hilarious maybe. stuff in there yeah, yeah. just some lines that just make you crack up so yeah journey to vapor island vapor fornia beautiful covers too so yeah vapor wave kind of influenced yeah yeah Moving yeah, those covers on. are by. Oh god, I'm gonna have to fucking edit this out now because I don't remember <laughs> his name. Hold on a sec, Mark Villard. Uh, I don't actually know Mark, but he does do fantastic covers for Robert's books and others. So moving on from Robert, we have our episode with the man who found us through last things. And uh, I think we this is probably one of the first interviews with him. He has become a, a pretty big figure yep. on Frog Twitter, on Dissident Write, Writing Sphere, whatever you want to call it. T.R. Hudson yeah. is the author of Automaton, a very good book with, uh, you know, a, a particularly striking cover by uh, uh, Michael Vinson mm -hmm. I, or... Yeah, I think that's his name. Let's get into that. Vincent, yeah, hold on. These I, I'm guys pretty are... sure. Like, look, he just um, he just had a uh, a contest for writers to submit their artwork and uh, <laughs> kind of like it's like a jokey like kind of thing, like you know, drawings by writers. And so, stay stay tuned because I submitted to him an artistic rendering of Spencer Grunhauer. So that yeah. is that is coming up there, but we're the party he did the cover for automaton vincent and uh but the man we're talking about is tr hudson right um yeah no i, I was just gonna gonna say uh even though we're, we're moving back to tr uh, michael vincent's at because it's kind of hard to remember is at mdvsn um for anyone who's interested and now that i, I said hope that, his I first name is michael which is <laughs> at tr underscore hudson uh, now I'm going to feel beholden to to give the ad of everyone. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, but, we don't have yeah, to do that. Definitely <laughs> seek out the two gentlemen. Um, and 
No, Automaton is a is a is a great novel. Uh, Tr is um, a, a friend of the pod, was an early friend and advocate and fan of the pod, uh, even going back into twenty twenty one. And you know, I'm very glad we. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it was probably one of the first and most extensive interviews he gave on Automaton, which is basically a sort of post apocalyptic uh, take on um, very much influenced by Cormac McCarthy's. Uh, why am I not remembering the name? Well, Cormac either uh, Blood Meridian or The Road. Blood I mean, Meridian, like, probably both More, in a certain yeah, sense. Yeah, both Blood Meridian and The Road, um, but from a sort of a zero HP Lovecraft also influenced. Yeah. Uh, based techno critical standpoint yeah i mean what what struck me and i think what struck many other people is this uh, very creative imagining of um what america would look like post uh crack up or breakdown yeah definitely. and uh has like the the west coast as a kind of like uh woke communist you know ubi zone where like people are kind of like you know have all their needs taken care of but just barely and it's so like a hyper version of today yeah and the east coast is just like like totally cracked up under like warlord corporations and yeah. so it's kind of like well, what would happen if the, you know, the woke regime lost control? How would those areas be governed? And I Definitely. think we we would like to believe that they would be governed by like men of honor who come together and like restore the Republic. But, uh, you know, that night, but that might not be the case. You might. Have right. Well, and that's one thing to highlight words. about Automaton, because I think a lot of people would hear like, oh, it's like a post-apocalyptic right wing sci-fi. Like it must be. um sort of like a power fantasy or something but it's not it's a very nuanced True. and bleak picture the the areas outside of the control of the woke establishment are are very bad yeah and the the kind of the woke utopia is i mean it's it's not good it, it's hard it's like you know a last man type existence but it's also like not some ridiculous like uh turner diaries parody yeah. it's kind of just more the banality of that is highlighted um uh, yeah than- TR recently did a very good interview on the carousel with Isaac. Mm-hmm. And uh, on that interview, Isaac highlighted, and I think this is worth noting, that uh, though the tenor of TR's automaton and some of his other writings, oh, I also, I, I should say, I had the, the opportunity to read one of his short stories at right. a reading organized by Stane Taines, another guest of the pod who we'll talk about shortly, mm-hmm. uh, in New York City back in October. And it was a real honor. It was a great story. It was great to read. But getting back to like the, the tone of his stories, he he writes kind of very uh in a kind of like Cormac McCarthy uh influenced style. Yeah. And and you know, thematic content. Uh you know, serious work, serious work, serious work. Very and, impl- yeah, Cormac McCarthy, as you said, Jack London a bit too. I think. Um, I don't remember this, what exactly. Yeah, but on. this contrasts very, uh, you know, starkly with his online presence, his Twitter presence, where he's like, he's a very jokey guy. He has a lot of like, I mean, anyone familiar with the Dan Baltic Twitter knows it's like very zany, very like uh, raunchy and weird. And like that kind of is the vibe that uh, TR cultivates a bit on his his Twitter. So he's like a very jokey, fun guy. But then you read his writing and you're like, oh, wow, this guy, he he thinks a lot about stuff. So definitely. And I'm looking through TR's 
um, feed right now. And I'm reminded that he, well, I don't think he was officially the person to introduce us to Astral. I think Astral kind of found us. I think Astral introduced Joe. himself to us. <laughs> but, uh, but, but I remember that TR told us. Oh yeah. TR was into Astral stuff. Astral. Yeah. He, he told us to check about him out. Astral. Yeah. So you can tell what a big circle jerk this all. No, I'm just kidding. But like, <laughs> yet another um, figure who very much came into our podcasting lives in 2022, uh, and that we are the better for uh, is Astral, who is you know another Absolutely. person who's kind of in this uh, network of people with zero HP, last things, and uh, and TR yeah. among others. Yeah. And we'll get to Astral's episode shortly, but the next episode is. TV between the lines. This is when we took on Succession and White Lotus, another Matt and Dan episode, which are always very fun. And I think this episode uh, had exceptional staying power because right before we started recording, we were talking about it uh, just now. So, yes. No, well, I'm looking forward to the next season of Succession, which I think will be sometime in 2023. And, um, I think both of us within the last month, you know, finished the uh, White Lotus season two. Uh, we were probably watching it as it was released, which I think our conclusion was that if it's, if anything, possibly more based than the yeah. first season of White Lotus. More based for sure, I would say. Um, yeah, we don't even necessarily need to get too much into plot rehashing, but it's um, highly recommended to anyone with an HBO Max subscription. Of course, Mike White, as uh, the creator of White Lotus, has a lot of uh, people... Actually, Mayor, I don't know. Maybe some of our fans don't even really watch TV, which I couldn't fault them for. But uh, it, it was a bit of a, a of a news item in our sphere when Mike White went on Jack, the Perfume Nationalists podcast, uh, which is you know, no small thing. Jack had a big year. We'll talk about Jack. Uh, but he, you know, he went on Brett Easton Ellis's podcast as well. Another huge crossover into it, uh, you know, from our general sphere into a much, you know, a, a, a relatively base, but still like much more mainstream cultural outlet and um you know shortly after that mike white goes on his pod i guess mike had heard uh i'd been turned on to jack kind of via red scare and 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 people in his network who who listened to red scare and um you know basically that episode uh, of the perfume nationalist confirms a lot of what we suspected about mike white that you know he has a much more based and nuanced perspective than than really anyone else in hollywood yeah and i mean increasingly this is we just discussed right before we started recording that um, other TV shows are embracing this sort of anti-woke perspective yeah. over the holidays. I watched with my boomer parents, uh, Fleischman is in trouble, which is this Hulu mm-hmm. series about a divorce guy. And it's kind of like, you know, not, it's not based exactly, but it, it is sympathetic to the plot, the plight of uh, men uh, yeah. in in this in this time and um it it is you know somewhat anti-woke definitely and so yeah. would would we have that without white lotus i don't 100 percent know i don't and, think, um, so, no. I think yeah white, white lotus, lotus yeah more now more than ever i think season two i don't remember the exact viewership stats but it did very well it's one of the most popular and critically acclaimed tv shows on the air and you know hollywood is a business so we'll always take notice of that and i think there are people who are realizing oh not that it's not like it's not like reclaiming the literary holy land from the heathen so much like but it is like uh 
so it's not right wing art, but it is art that's much, much, much more nuanced about in the way yeah. that it approaches topics like men and to an extent race. And um, you know, it's not gonna get Trump in office in twenty four, but it's a welcome change in my opinion that we have even just more even just from our not even a political but an artistic perspective that there is art in the mainstream and on television and you know maybe to an extent the movies that you know can actually breathe and has at least the potential of being good because it's not dominated by a groupthink ideology absolutely white lotus check it out it is pretty pretty good honestly yeah moving on to our next episode Middle American Gothic with Caleb Caudell. Mm. And um, yeah, Caleb, as we, we discussed uh, you know, many times, The Neighbor, his novel was one of the best things we read last year. Definitely. Just, uh, you know, really a kind of like a cut above phenomenal writing. And, uh, you know, also like Caleb has some tremendous personal essays and essays about kind of um, the plight of uh, men in middle America and middle America in general, the working class. And uh, this is probably, he's probably, we, we have had some more liberal or progressive guests. I don't think that's Caleb. I know that's not Caleb, but uh, he's not particularly ideological either. He just kind of recognizes yeah. that the, uh, the working class will, um, you know, the working class man is is not getting a uh, a fair shake in today's world. The middle American is not getting a fair shake. Yeah, and so this novel really kind of digs into that. And it's sort of um, it's like an homage to the Odyssey because the novel, it's about um, a guy who uh, he appears to have killed one of his neighbors and he's on the run and he's on the run throughout the whole novel. Mm-hmm. He's on some type of, uh, you know, it's a, it's a road novel. It's an odyssey. It's a kind of journey to the heart of, uh, the dark heart of America, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, fantastic stuff. Caleb and Caleb's a great guy. No, I, yeah, um, he was a, he was a good guest. I know he also did a pod with Isaac Simpson that I have not yet Listen he's to done it. a pod with uh art of darkness with uh brad and kevin as well so uh right. i yeah. actually didn't, i'll be honest i didn't would who did they talk about i didn't necessarily realize that don't remember but i haven't uh, i yeah, haven't listened to it yet either i knew i know he did it and i'm it's on my list to listen to no definitely and he, he you've met him in real life right he did i do yeah he yeah. came to an expat reading he read a great a great essay um Back in August of uh, of this year, 2022, met him in person. Great guy. And uh, yeah, you know, hopefully we uh, we see. No, not hopefully. I know we will see another novel from him him and more great fiction, more great essays. Definitely. And speaking of expat, uh, I, I think that takes us to our next episode. 18. Absolutely. Episode 18. Our good friend Nick Dollinger. Sunbathing. Yes, yeah. at the end of time with Nick Dollinger. Take it away, Matt. Yeah, uh, Nick, um, who you've met in real life, I still haven't. He's definitely someone I hope to cross paths with um, if and when I come to New York in the new year. But definitely just a real, uh, a real, a real figure of significance within our within our scene. Um, we talked about his epic poem, um, "Sunbathing." I want to uh, an epic reimagining of New York City as Carthage. It's a really good poem in the form yeah. of a book. 
that you can find on Amazon. Um, and no, yeah, what, what really, really enjoyed our, our conversation with Nick. Um, yeah, no, I mean like, it's a great poem. It's like New York city as a modern day Carthage. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And what, what uh, some of the readings or parties at his house, even not to like dox anyone's parties or anything, but potentially yeah uh yeah. but I, I think mostly like the readings have been at uh you know kind of like event spaces and stuff but uh yeah no, i case. mean i'm sure yeah he's he's a, a node in this uh this network yeah um, and one of the things that nick is among many other things is uh he's kind of a, a connective tissue between well not that there's plenty of connective tissue already but you know between the kind of expat crowd and also like the terror house and like online right crowd um i don't want to say one thing or the other about nick's politics i think he's you know like any of us he's nuanced in his way but he wrote he writes or wrote for the epoch times um you know he's uh he's kind of got those those right-wing values for sure but also uh is a is you know he's a a man of many many hats definitely um and yeah I, mean, I can keep leading us on i guess we can kind of pass the mic back and forth here a little bit um yeah our next episode was oracular spectacular with brad kelly this was an episode that i kind of uh planned out um we both read though uh brad kelly who's one who's kevin Kautzman's co-host on art of darkness uh his novel house of sleep which i love has some themes uh, that I like a lot, and that I that you know have kind of found their way into my own writing in terms of some of the more esoteric and occult type subjects. Uh, we and on that note, we we also talked about my Substack article, Renaissance of the Ritual. Uh, it was a very sort of mystical infused episode, um, and definitely, definitely somewhat of a benchmark for me this year um, was not only publishing that piece on Substack, but also talking more with Brad Kelly, who it was a great um, piece. And and Brad's Thanks. House of Sleep, great novel. He's a tremendous writer, and uh, also like it, uh, it goes without saying that uh, he co-hosts Art of Darkness with Kevin Kautzman. Yeah, and Brad, uh, um, yeah, no, great guy. I hope to have him back on or just continue the dialogue yeah. with him more in in the new year. And I'm so I'm hopeful. And, and not to 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 go too far into this before we talk about Kevin's episode as well. But you know, you you did an episode on. Um, John Kennedy yeah. Cool with yeah, yeah. with on our darkness, which people should check out. We'll talk about that probably twice, both in with regard to our uh John Kennedy Tool episode that we did, but also our episode with Kevin. Um, but sorry, I'm, uh, but yeah, at some point no, in the I year, mean, I, I'm also trying to go on to Art of Darkness. So people should should you should you should because like that. Art of Darkness, God, they they as they they say they put in the work. This is a podcast where every episode it's like fucking four hours and they talk about the the biography of some uh, artist with the dark side. Aren't they all? But that uh, being said, like they uh, they really like it's not only entertaining and Brad and uh, Kevin have a great rapport. They uh, it's you know, it's in, you know, educational. You, you listen to that episode and you're like, oh, yeah, now I know a lot more about John Kennedy tool. And I, I found out about Dan Baltic, who's really cool. Uh, so and, there's yeah, there's yeah. that episode. But I mean, there's many others. They, they just did an episode on Crawley. 
They uh, yeah, they've done an episode on uh, who's that beat uh, guy who shot his wife. Yes, there we go. Yeah, uh, yeah no, just plenty of. They did a Big Lebowski episode with uh, not uh, like so. They have episodes on artists, but also episodes uh, where they kind of have like guests on that they like and watch movies. So they did an episode with P.G. Keenan uh, right. watching uh, the Big Lebowski. And that was just like fun to kind of like watch it along with them. So yep. yeah, for sure. No, no Brad... one of the one of the best pods out there. Um, and yeah, Brad has the du- honor dubious probably to the minds of many of our listeners, but he uh he got me into tarot cards, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> may have a effect on some of my uh, future work. Uh, which I'll I'll leave it at that for now, but. Yeah, uh, yeah. Brad, Brad's a mystical guy. He's you know he's he's one of our guys. He's um. Well, I actually don't even specifically know what he thinks politically, but he you know he's a dissident. He's he's someone who's open to looking at things from any number of different angles, and he's uh. But he's also into some of these sort of more uh, new age or mystical type topics, which appeals to absolutely. Me. That's largely what we talked about on the episode we did with him. Uh, was sort of uh, in addition to his novel, um. Just very kind of more esoteric type topics like psychedelics and tarot. Yeah. Yeah. No, Brad is someone to watch. And again, he is someone kind of like last things, kind of like Caleb with like a real extent. He came from an MFA program, uh, a good one to the Mishner program in uh, at UT. He like, um, you know, has a lot of like real um, kind of like academic uh, background in, in writing and in, uh, in literature. And he, uh, you know, like many uh, of us uh, finds himself on the outside because, well, you know, for all the reasons that we know. And yep. uh, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's great to have him on the team, shall we say. Super. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Moving, Moving on, on to an episode here. that you set up, Matt. Uh, oh, yeah. Our first, no, and, um, our first yeah, no, big our, break. <laughs> aforementioned episode with Jack Mason of the Perfume Nationalist. Uh, episode 20, Riding the Vibe Ship with Jack Mason. Um, very good episode. I, 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 speaking Absolutely. of Robert Stark, I'd interviewed Jack with Robert in 2020, but this was a good... I, I knew we had to get him on new right. So, uh, you know, definitely, definitely uh, part, you know, kind of, preceding our episode with tacos and some other figures uh you know definitely a big a big breakthrough for us um what is there to be said about jack he's a you know anyone who hasn't listened to the perfume nationalist should check it out and and as mentioned that pod um continues to be ascendant um you know i'm jealous frankly that he got that he went on you know brett brett Easton-Ellis's podcast and and got to interview mike white um I don't want to rush through this, but I guess we we're only in March still, uh, Dan. And we have to get no, to... that's true. We yeah, got to get but, going. Uh, no, but, I, mean, I mean, we all know I, about Jack. We I, I don't know. think Jack needs us to promote him, but it was definitely an honor to have him on. New yeah, Ride. yeah. Um, so moving on to the next one, this is another one you set up, Matt. Glitter, yes. and so this is I, we were in. I was in L.A. at this time, and I was yeah, hanging out was, with you. This was our you, first. You very two. graciously put me up at your apartment uh, and I was sleeping on the floor. You spent <laughs> the whole whole week with me, Matt. Uh, thank you for, you know, uh, not killing me. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and we did two episodes. We and did. So the first of those episodes was. Episode. Yeah. And glitter bombing with Eris. The first one we did, yes, was uh, was Glitter Bombing with Eris, which we recorded. I think we recorded like yeah, last day of March. Uh, yeah. And, you know, 
heiress, Elizabeth Victoria Aldrich, uh, um, tragically passed away on, you know, uh, early July, maybe July 4th, even uh, of this year. Um, and yeah. I don't really have words for that. Uh, it was a, a real shock and, you know, tragedy uh, learned about shortly after it happened. Um, you know, I didn't know her, neither of us knew her super well. Uh, you know, I think when it, when it happened, we, you know, offered our condolences on Twitter, but I mean, I, I never felt like I was in the position that we knew her well enough to like do any kind of more formal obituary or, or, or really, you know, certainly not yeah. promote the episode on the grounds that this was probably one of her last interviews. Um, but matter of factly, you know, we're hitting the end of the year now and it, it probably is. One yeah. One of the, if not the last interview she gave, I'm not saying go listen to it because of that. I'm not trying to exploit it in that way, but just matter of factly, this was a very intimate interview we did in her apartment in Northridge. Yeah. Uh, where we talked about her work where she showed us. I mean, also published. Also, so, right. Like it wasn't just uh, in, in her apartment. We got uh, Chipotle with her. We like, we, we, did. We, we, took her we were like hanging out <laughs> in uh, the Northridge. Valley with Eris yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, it, um, it, you know, to get that news, it was, it's shocking and heartbreaking and cause she is, you know, she's a very, she, she was a very sweet girl. She and, was very sweet. And, you know, her book, Ruthless Little a Things, very talented uh, girl, too. very talented. And, you know, I think she had a lot of life in front of her, needless to say. Absolutely. Um, I mean, again, I don't feel like I know her well enough to get too in depth, but at the same time, you know, we had the conversation. She was facing some potential legal troubles. And she was even saying to us, like, that she may just end up having to go to jail. Like, that she may just, rather than, you know, I don't remember yeah. what the specific details are. But but one thing that she said that, that I definitely was thinking about after that she passed away was how, um, you know, in her mind, it's like, well, going to jail might not be the worst thing. I kind of use it to focus on writing and just kind of, have it be this focused period and um you know it would have been also bad if she ended up in jail but at the same time i i kind of believed when she said that 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 could have happened you know what i mean like that she could have oh absolutely yeah uh, i mean she definitely had more great work in front of her and um you know it was needless to even say a life cut far 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 too short yeah like even selfishly from my perspective I remember speaking to her during that interview, uh, during that episode and like getting her, you know, her perspective on art and everything. And I was excited at that time to, um, you know, it wasn't published yet, but to share my novel with her and I wanted yep. to get her thoughts and, you know, and yeah. sad that I'll never have them. And Definitely. Uh, she was, she was an awesome girl. And, Definitely. Uh, rest in peace. That's our, yeah. Definitely. That's our end of the year. Sad moment of, you know, <laughs> like the, the Oscars, yeah. I guess. Uh, well, moving but on to a man a who is not stark <laughs> now. Um, uh, well, well, you know, I'm uh, looking at the at, title we gave this episode now. I'm like, Jesus, was this a mistake? <laughs> um, yeah. I remember someone said it was crass at the time, and I was like, fuck you at the time. And now I'm like, wow. But, uh, but you know, no regret. Episode 22 Will You Sign My Pussy with Delicious, delicious Tacos? tacos. Um, recorded live at my house that's right uh, and we talked about it a bit earlier but yeah very much a benchmark episode for us tacos 
despite having their reputation as being something of a, I almost cringe to say this, but something of a literary bad boy, something of a, you know, outsider literary figure who writes yeah. about controversial topics such as banging Getting laid. women, <laughs> uh, is a really upstanding and kind person. And, um, you know, we'd reached out to him early on in the lifespan of the podcast, told him, you know, and I've actually, again, another person I've actually interviewed before, with Robert Stark, who I wanted to get on at, you know, at the time new this at the time new podcast, new right. And he was a little busy uh, when we first reached out. But one thing I'll always really appreciate with Taco is that he actually followed back. Like a lot of the time when you're pursuing a bigger guest, it's like it's always hit or miss. You have to pursue them. And I remember with him, he actually reached back out and was like, I'm still thinking about you guys. Like, let's find a time to do it um which was very much appreciated and then um i was surprised because i think of him as a very private person which he is but nevertheless he said you know would you guys want to record it in person because he knew we were both in la or he knew that i was in la and that he was in la obviously and then and you were going to be in yeah. town man. so that's what we did and um it was it was great for me at first because yeah i know he's obviously a big online figure um and yeah, no, f- fantastic interview. Um, worth worth delving back on. Hope and uh, not to put pressure on him if he probably, you know, if he if he on the off chance he's actually listening to this, <laughs> not to put pressure on him. I'm hope hopefully we'll see another Tacos book uh, in 23. Yeah, no, I mean he is uh, working on True Romance. I think that's the title right. of his next yep. novel. True love, and yeah. um, hopefully that or True Love. Yeah, and you know, hopefully that uh, is coming up soon because you know i remember at the beginning when we started this pod we're like who are we trying to profile like what is the the type of author we're trying to platform and who is our like ideal get our ideal guest it was delicious tacos in both cases and so that was like a real kind of like seminal moment for us uh, <laughs> not to uh you know uh, it's double entendre there but yes it was a uh, you know it's an important moment for us at, on the pod because sure. we were in the same room with tacos this guy we wanted to get on from the beginning and uh yeah it was just it was a great episode i think like we kind of touched on stuff that he hadn't touched on in um interviews up until then about getting right. older no, the softer yeah. side of tacos we got and the, sure. we got the soft taco <laughs> I, I don't know yeah, if you'd no. appreciate that but we we love you tacos yeah no you, you and i reiterate he's a he's a really really great guy and you know hopefully you know if and when we do more uh in real life stuff i know why well, I, I shouldn't say this if it's not been announced i don't there's nothing official about it yet i, I believe there's some notion of maybe some terror house readings in la in the uh, that's right year, and we hope to see tacos at those absolutely yeah but I uh hope to be there myself absolutely um you want to talk about the next episode this was uh moving was into the next involved. one that's right uh yeah. i i brought in howling mutant who uh how the episode howling into the void with howling mutant and uh i said at the time i maintain today he is one of the funniest posters out there like his tweets are just like fucking zany as hell just like it's kind of like crazy shit but also like very like intelligently crazy like raunchy weird tweets and uh yeah so like i'm reading this i'm just like and also like from a right-wing perspective like usually the people who tweet like the kind of like 
you know, crazy, horny, weird stuff are left wing. But like, no, mutant but is, uh, yeah. yeah, mutant is like extreme, you know, not extremely right one, but he's, he's, you know, he's on our side. He and is, yeah. so we got him on and we talked about River's Edge and uh, a uh, another David Lynch film as well, I believe. Is, is River's uh, Edge not a David Lynch film? <laughs> no, River's Edge isn't. River's Edge is, um, hold on, who? trying to remember who directed river's edge but no it's not it's similar in tone to 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 blue velvet but R- river's edge okay yeah i um, mean the dennis hopper thing is confusing me but yeah yeah, uh, yeah no we talked about um well his profile picture was from river's edge so we were talking about that and i think we we're talking we were talking quite a bit about blue velvet as well okay blue there we go that's yeah, why yeah, i have the yeah. lynch yeah. connection and uh yeah no i mean he's just like he's a interesting guy fascinating poster and uh, yeah, like yeah, one of the best, one of the best horny posters out there, uh, <laughs> up there with Renault Failure, who's more of a uh, is that that guy's name, Renault Failure? Uh, so so that? it's pronounced yeah. Ren- So like it's the French spelling, so it's Renault. But I mean, also yeah. it's a um, a play on words, uh, renal failure, like your kidneys are failing. So oh, renal failure. I'm- feel stupid i didn't know that but, yeah <laughs> that's so okay he, like it takes a second yeah. to think like i didn't realize it until like you know months <laughs> after following him but, yeah uh, i also don't even think he goes by that anymore i'm looking at him on twitter but, yeah yeah it's him it's um the artist formerly known as gorgonzola man was he going by now brendan luso i think he goes by his real name uh <laughs> you know there's a whole great corner of twitter i actually have long wanted to bring brendan on this podcast so maybe that's oh I'm yeah i think maybe. you know yeah. i would love to have him on too and yeah, uh yeah we'll, we'll make hopefully make that happen i know brendan yeah. follows us so he does yeah no the pod, brendan. definitely 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 one the next one uh next episode episode 24 down the god-shaped hole with zero hp lovecraft we kind of already talked about it a bit but uh, we thank zero again um, we do odd uh, the yeah, man the legend yeah big boost to us after after this episode and um you know kind of like jack a little bit like tacos too like what's he doesn't need us to promote him um but you should absolutely check out the interview we were able to get with him i think it's really uh ins- you know fantastic and insightful yeah um, talking about his stories god-shaped hole uh and uh what was the other one called uh the gig economy, the gig economy. yeah just kind of delving into one of the one of the better and more accredited writers writers in our sphere yeah absolutely i mean it's so much so that uh I remember, I think he himself uh, said that in, so he was one of the judges of uh, the first passage prize and he, I I guess not so much as a criticism of it uh, from uh, zero HP, but he, he noticed that uh, a lot of the, you know, contestants were writing fiction in a style similar to his own. And that is a, you know, a real testament to the effect that zero HP has had on, imitation community the most sincere form of flattery yes um no yeah i think hopefully maybe maybe a zero uh follow yeah zero should come back for sure definitely i know he's got some some he's published stories since that i admit i haven't probably read all of them but should uh since we did this episode and i think he did a very funny one which was almost in a i think in a direct homage to uh tom wolf where Mm. it was like a, a party that had all of the kind of like fixtures of the e-right behaving badly or whatever. And I believe that uh, potentially 
uh, the the figure, the, the person who we interviewed right after Zero HP was in that story of his, uh, who is none other than um, Default Friend, Catherine D. in the story of his? Oh, geez. Yeah. I, I, well, yeah. You, you know, uh, he's like Zero HP has, you know, a... Uh, real eye for the the e-write scene and for the mm-hmm. uh the comedy and the humor that sure. might be mined and... from <laughs> i i don't think catherine would have uh objected to her okay trail. good to know. i i didn't actually delve into it i know that on the catherine d not to bring out people's interpersonal issues on this recap i know catherine d had the impression that that uh zero did not like her i'm not sure if that's <laughs> or not. um but I'll have to check that out. I don't know the details there, but I, yeah, no. Um, it's possible that he, maybe he was just had the, I mean, skewered the Red Scare girls. I feel like Catherine D was perhaps part of that, uh, that uh, short story that he wrote. Oh, and I, fashion, yeah, I, I, I don't think he could possibly dislike her as much as she thought. I, I mean, I don't yeah. exactly know what Zero's take on things is, but he has to, I'm sure he recognizes that there is utility in people like Red Scare and her who are kind of bringing aspects of Frog Twitter to a new audience. But yeah, no, that was the next episode that that <clears throat> I record. That was when I did Solo. Although That's right. I think that Catherine D is also kind of on the docket for 23 and maybe. Oh yeah, no, that was not intentional. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course I'm a not. Fan of course Catherine not. D. Yeah, and uh, as much as uh, I am committed to deplatforming women, uh, <laughs> I, I do, you know, uh, appreciate uh, Catherine D. And I, I want to do an interview with her. So yeah, no, um, I'm looking forward Catherine's to great. The, she, the next she one. She was uh, in another moment of sort of similar to Jack going on Brett's podcast, and a slightly different direction of that happened in twenty. 20- 20, uh, to 2022 with um, first Curtis Yarvin, but then Catherine D going on Tucker's kind of uh, Tucker Carlson's sort of uh, not not on not on Tucker Carlson tonight. Uh, although another new right guest, Ryan Nationalist, has been on the actual Tucker Carlson tonight. Yes. Uh, Tucker has what is it even called? He has this kind of show on the um, side, almost like Joe Rogan inspired. It's very cool. Tucker Originals. I Tucker believe. Originals. Tucker well, Carlson that's Originals. that's that's the Raw Egg Nationalist documentary. But there's 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 another figment of it where you know, like where he was talking to Curtis Yarvin and talking to Catherine. I don't oh, think okay, it's Tucker yeah. Original. I, who, no, I, I guess you're right. Either yeah. here or there. It's but it's um, I, I believe it's behind a paywall. Whatever it is, it seems to be inspired by Joe Rogan, who in extends kind of these video podcasts, so to speak, and um, some really good content coming from Tucker and the interview with Yarvin, which I don't remember the exact date on that. That was earlier, and whereas Catherine D went on uh, just a few months ago, um, but definitely a big moment kind of in our in our scene, going along with Raw Eggs connection with with Tucker. To you know, he's obviously paying attention, and I, you know, to bring it back to. Catherine D of it all I mean I definitely can see why he sought her out uh, as a voice because she comes from a very you know unique place she's not some like uh trad e-girl at all it's she's much more kind of learned delving into the effects of the internet on culture which was one of the things that, that yeah. I spoke uh, with her about and she's not clearly ideological I think she'd probably be consider herself a conservative of some bent but she's you know the, fundamentally it's not all about ideology an ethnographer of the internet an ethnographer of, of the internet she uh she had like a really great article on um 
I think Adam Lanza and the yep. phenomenon of uh, mass shooters. And uh, yeah, I mean, she just kind of like dives into these weird like internet uh like things that only the internet could have made possible so i think she even had a uh an interview with some guy who was into uh oh god i don't even want to say this on the pod oh. for fear of alienating our listeners but uh no, a, I don't, sissy hypno <laughs> i don't even know what that is straight uh, up but it's, uh, it's, i can kind of imagine yeah. um, no she's so, afraid of delving into these rabbit holes yes. something that i very much appreciate about her and you know she's a, a friend of the pod she she's a friend of geo who we'll get to momentarily she we she's been interviewed by robert stark um she's you know well well connected um in in this sphere of ours i'm gonna say something else about her and i'm now talented woman it. yeah definitely oh she of course does a um Advice column with delicious tacos, which is another. Oh, and um, does yeah. a pod with another guest, uh, Steph. Oh man, so, so she, she uh, yeah, Jesus. Like I mean, yeah, she's a real a node, yeah, a connecting node for uh, you know yeah. many people. Absolutely. But moving on to, I'll uh, skip over the next episode of Matt and Robert Stark start a new religion, kind of continuing. We are talking about Robert, and you know, we yeah, are talking yeah. a little bit about the more esoterica of it all that I'm. Kind of we're, we're only up to May, so we're only up to May. People should listen to that. Uh, if, if if sort of more esoteric and occult topics are of interest, uh, Robert and I had a good little IRL chat on a trip of ours. Um, and I'll probably continue writing about some of these themes. We can sort of leave it leave it at that for now. Uh, but then to go another step ahead, uh, end getting towards the end of May now. Our episode <laughs> with Gio uh, Penichetti, one of one of another yet another major figure and node in our scene again absolutely giant uh, geo giant uh physically and also in the culture he uh he's an amazing guy he has like he's a, a great artist also a great thinker has a lot of uh thoughts on aesthetics but mm-hmm. also politics co-hosts a uh, regular stream with another guest the prudentialist called the digital archipelago they talk mm-hmm. about politics, aesthetics, all sorts of things. Geo also, thank you so much, Geo, for writing the foreword to Nutcranker. It was an amazing foreword. I, I showed it to Matt, and uh, Matt, you told me, and I quite agreed uh, that it was like perhaps the perfect framing of the novel from a person who got it so, so well. And, uh, yeah, Gio is just a guy who, uh, who gets it. And, yeah. uh, we, we loved our pod with Gio. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no. And, um, I guess that brings us to our episode with Ryag Nationalist, which we also have talked about a bit already. And we, we had him on again, um, back in November and he's a fellow blurber of Nutcranker. That's right. Um, Ryag, so- a man who needs no introduction, really. Like our most popular episodes are the Ryag, Na- not you know, the among our most popular episodes are the Ryag nationalist episodes. And he, uh, you know, a real Renaissance man. Not only did he publish Ryag nationalism, the Eggs Benedict Option, which are a uh, not only do they you know provide a sort of uh, schedule for the uh, uh, health and the body for you to allow you to divest from the kind of 
processed food culture that is promulgated. They, uh, they also, uh, especially the Eggs Benedict option, provide a critique of uh, the current political situation and the Great Reset and uh, how the government is trying to, you know, frankly, um, control you with food by <laughs> giving you bad food and making you weaker. And um, yeah, so this is this is a man who has thought a lot about uh, the human body, the human diet, what we eat. And uh, he's like, literally, like, listen to him and you will get stronger. Read his work. You will learn how to eat better, how to. And this is an interesting tidbit, uh, perhaps inspired by Rag. I uh, probably back in like, you know, you know, this time when, when we recorded this Ryag episode or even earlier, I started cooking in 2022 with duck fat. Hmm. And so I recently, ones, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. And so I recently had my uh, annual uh, physical checkup and the doctor said, uh, well, your, uh, your cholesterol's down. Oh, are you eating any differently? And I'm like, well, I'm cooking with duck fat now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no. yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot like they they call him a bro scientist, rag nationalist, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of science and bro science. And Absolutely, it, no, and it's you know not even go. I haven't done anything as concrete as switching to cooking a duck fat. Although I do avoid <laughs> oils to a large extent. Um, no, I always say this about people like rag nationalists as well as BAP, and you know um, Benjamin Braddock, the other bro scientists, just other other general people in our scene who are focused on health and wellness, not in some, you know, feel good, uh, banal way, but like in a way that's integrally connected to, you know, getting stronger and, and, uh, and integrally connected to the politics of it all. Um, you know, these are people who you read and, you know, they actually really care about like the welfare of the people who read them. They're not grifters. It's, it's real, stuff and you know a lot of it's somewhat experimental you kind of have to figure out what works and doesn't for you in terms of the diet of it all but as i've you know kind of got begin to enter my later 20s um you know i'm thinking a lot more about what i'm eating and people like raw egg nationalist and bap and others you know really provide a good uh a framework um that you you know can can adopt and kind of see the effects in your own life notice your energy levels rising um you know this stuff is really important and it's something that I thought a lot more about. I started thinking about this kind of stuff around the time we started this pod in 2021. I kind of came into 2022, you know, with, a, with healthier lifestyle choices uh, and I'm going into 23 still thinking about that, you know, it's banal, but like, you know, we, uh, in this, this scene, this scene, we, you know, we have our, uh, our own sort of new year's resolutions and, you know, it's always important to, to be thinking Absolutely. about. And, uh, and we would be, uh, yeah, remiss if we did not say that Rag is the publisher of Man's World, which is a a real men's magazine in a world where men's magazines are uh, now made by and marketed toward women and uh, homosexuals. <laughs> this is uh, a man's world for the uh, for the straight man, and uh, it's 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 fucking phenomenal. Like I own the yeah. annual; it's great. It's like it's um, the Antelope Hill produces uh, a, a bound annual edition of Man's World that compiles like the best of the past year. The new one is coming out very soon and might may already be available. 
and it's it's glossy, has articles from BAP, articles from Ben Braddock, articles from uh, all sorts of, you know, luminaries and lights from our sphere, uh, astral, many yep. others, uh, Stone Age herbalist, just like a real mix of fiction and nonfiction. But this is all stuff like it takes you back to the days of like, if you're like me, you grew up in the 90s. There were magazines like Playboy and Esquire, which like actually had articles in, in them that you wanted to read. And you yeah. would look through it and you'd find like, oh, this is something interesting. And you flip the page and find, oh, this is something interesting. And now in the mainstream, we don't have that anymore because these, as you know, we all know, these magazines are captured by Globo Homo. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you flip through them and it's like, oh, this is how to talk to your son about, you know, sexuality or some shit. Yeah, you know? yeah. So like you, you know, this is like, you're not going to get that in man's world. You're going to, yeah. you know, you're going to get some, you know, actual stuff you, you want to read and doesn't horrify you. Yeah, very much, very much worth checking out everything Ryag has done. And speaking of masculinity, uh, as is a frequent, I guess, Absolutely. Theme pod, uh, our next episode we did was on the by far the most popular movie of this past year. And it's kind of in this funny New Year's way right now. I'm looking back. It's like, wow, it almost feels like longer ago that Top Gun Maverick came out, doesn't it? I, I don't know. It's kind of funny. Like, it, it's almost like that was a yeah. big it's it's crazy that it has been. It feels like that. It feels like Top Gun Maverick has been with us in the culture uh, for longer yeah. than a mere. So this this was so our Top Gun nationalism episode. Yeah. This is uh, this started off when I was in L.A. and we. Um, I think Eris she mentioned something which led yeah, me to say. Yeah, it's weird how these things happen. Yeah, yeah. You, you, I don't know if it was her, but you maybe you mentioned to her that you were we were talking about the. She was I was born like in nineteen eighty six or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I told uh, her so that in nineteen years and places, and you said you came out. You were born the in the year movie. I was born, nineteen eighty six. Top Gun was the top grossing movie, and so uh, we maybe that night, maybe the next night, we watched the original Top Gun, and yeah. I think you know like. You had never seen it before, Matt. I had seen it, but I had forgotten how like um, both corny but hilarious it was yeah. for its corniness. So like, I think we both really enjoyed it. And that really like primed us for that was in April. Top Gun came out in May. This is a, a June episode that we recorded about it. But, um, you know, it primed us for Top Gun Maverick. And uh, wow, that was, you know, it was a really good movie. It was. It a was. Return it was. Uh, to, it was good. Oh, in, in, to return in to form. But yeah, return to form, and you know, I'm I'm glad to see that it did it as well as it did. I I largely agree with the sentiments of the Brett Easton Ellis's of the world that the theatrical experience is very much dying. But kind of like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Top Gun Maverick was a a little bit of a, a a pleasant throwback to an era where these things did matter, and as our friend Bab would say, where you could go and see white men doing badass things on screen, uh, which is hard to come by now. And as Maverick would say, when uh, when he's told that your kind is going extinct, not today. Exactly. And, and the, you know, the most meaning, probably the, the most memorable scene to me, that very early scene. And I think that says it all. Not it today. That's, not today. That's, yeah. our that's our new uh, motto. Uh, 
not today, right after we take back the uh, literature from the heathens. It's uh, <laughs> not today. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> so um, a, another man who uh, says not today, who is always in the fight, always, you know, kind of like um, thinking about the future, thinking about what uh, what should happen and you know where we should go as a society both in terms of literature and politics is astral astral reached out to us uh shortly after the zero hp episode because he was like i thought i was the only literature pod huh. well, you, yeah. you guys have a literature pod too and so uh there their great friendship was formed we uh we you know talked with astral quite a bit and we, uh, you know, eventually did uh, this episode, New Frontiers with Astral. Yep. Where and we, we later, you go on, sorry. Where we dove into uh, Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian, which Astral wrote a, uh, a very good essay about. And uh, indeed, I think he, he did a pod about it on uh, Astral Flight Simulation, which is an excellent podcast. Astral, in fact, I am now currently... This morning, while I was making breakfast, I was listening to his episode with Charles Haywood, an amazing yep. episode. Astral gets on the best guests. He's and he's like he's not sucking up to Haywood. He's like he's actually giving like a real like there's a real back and forth. He's like you know discussing critically policy positions and and other ideas. And so Astral's pod is a, a must listen. I would say Definitely. he's very well read, you know, you can always trust Astral to like really delve into it when it comes to real work, not real, not that, not that stuff in our scene isn't real, but you know what I mean? Like, like older works of literature that he's read and has new thoughts on. I mean, we covered, I'm just looking at the list here. You know, we talked about crime and punishment. We talked about thus spoke Zarathustra blood Meridian, as you mentioned um, a bit about Kerouac, a bit about Mishima. He's, he's read a lot of these people and he has new and fresh thoughts about all of them. Uh, we later in the year went on Ast made an appearance on Astral's podcast, which is not a simulcast. It's only available as an Astral Flight episode, and people should should delve in if you like. I think it is like... actually paywalled as well, so you, oh, you may okay. have to pay him, you may have but... to pay for this. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's worth it because you get to hear me and Matt. You do. So. You get to hear us more, and we're not paywalled, so you know, <laughs> you can hear us for free, and then you can you can pay to hear us on Astral's. But no, but in all seriousness, if you like New Right, you will absolutely. Uh, enjoy astral's podcast and we do recommend it um i guess the next episode was our episode with good friend isaac simpson of the carousel that is uh, right which we talked a bit about uh but that this particular episode is called branding the vibe shift as our because our second uh episode with the word vibe shift in the title i think we got the, the episode with jack was kind of just more generally about the change you know like the changes to kind of the online online right scene where podcasts like his kind of got bigger later on where there's kind of a more fluid conversation of culture. That's not explicitly ideological, but with, uh, with Isaac, we were talking about the vibe shift in the really proper sense, which is as defined by cultural critic, Sean Moynihan, who I gather is a, something of a friend of Isaac's um, and has to do with that sort of the, the, we, uh, Sean Moynihan being the coiner of the term terms such as norm core kind of a predictor of trends with a track record of correctly predicting trends and now Sean Moynihan has a distinction of kind of having predicted or still in the process of predicting this supposed vibe shift kind of co coalescing around uh, podcasts like Red Scare 
I think you also see it as we talked about with White Lotus, where in the culture, um, sort of, it's not fully dissident that at least anti-woke ideas are going more mainstream and becoming more cool. And there's this kind of almost rebirth of a certain hipster culture that is anti-woke. Um, and we talked yeah. a lot about a lot of things with Isaac, but that was kind of the namesake was that Sean Moynihan concept. And it's, it's a good conversation. Yeah. Crucially about Isaac, his handle is disgraced propagandist. If you Google disgraced propagandist, I think the first thing you get is uh, Goebbels, but that is not <laughs> Isaac. That he's not Goebbels. He's uh, Isaac Simpson. So yeah. you'll you'll find him under disgraced propagandist on Twitter, and he has a uh, a pod, uh, the Carousel, which uh, I have been on to discuss Nutcranker. He's an excellent interviewer. He's had a lot of great people on. He's had a lot of our uh, friends of the pod on yep. Astral Credentialist, many others. And um, yeah, he's he's had some real you've you've written for the carousel. I have. I recently wrote a piece called 15 Hours in Paris. So, yeah, the the carousel is not only a podcast, but also like uh, it's a real functioning. He has one of the better and sexier looking substacks that I have seen. If you look at it, he's got not just me, but a lot of other guest writers. It really looks like, you know, Isaac is one of these guys who's interested in kind of creating a new based version of, of Vice. He's very interested in gonzo journalism. And he's really cultivating the space for that. As, as you mentioned, Dan, I did write a piece called Absolutely. 15 Hours in Paradise, which is kind of my own gonzo journalistic take on a 15-hour layover I had in Las Vegas. Please check that out. But also just check out Isaac Simpson's The Carousel more generally. There's a lot of great stuff. He's had – Isaac's had a huge year. You know, when I first met him in April at, um, at this Forever Mag launch party, he was just getting back into – he was just getting back into um, – into the scene and into posting. He kind of told me that, you know, he'd, he'd had previous incarnations of, uh, of having a podcast and having a blog and sort of gone back and forth concerned about the OPSEC of it all. But, you know, very much at the kind of the outset of this year, or not even the outset, really even going back to April, um, even going so, so not even like the beginning of the year, but like even four months into the year. So it's, it's not even just that he said a big year, but a big eight months um sort of concluding that he really wanted to like a part of his life was missing if he wasn't you know saying what he truly believed online and um he's had a pretty explosive eight months he had a piece called uh there's going to be a war in montana again in that sort of gonzo journalistic style about the cultural clash happening in montana between you know the rural sort of trumpian element with um a sort of I don't even know if the word is gentrifying, but a sort of uh, coastal elite sort of moving, honing in on the territory, um, which exploded, uh, was picked up by a number of different journals. It ruffled a few feathers as well. Um, he had a bit of a spat with Walter, the writer Walter Kern about this piece, although I understand that they later made up at Urban Assembly in Miami. So all is well there. Uh, but it was, you know, it was a um, bit of a polemical piece and it ruffled some feathers, but mostly, you know, just uh really got a lot of got across a lot of radars and um more recently he i think was retweeted by anna kachian um just a really big year all around uh for isaac and we look forward to seeing what what he has going on in 2020 we'll, re we'll briefly revisit isaac later because that was this was actually the first of two episodes that we did with him yeah no absolutely isaac the carousel everyone check it out he um, has, you know, some really tremendous thoughts about what is going on today. 
and uh, yeah, and great interviews. So, but yeah. we will talk more about him. Moving on to uh, what is actually our uh, our most, if you were to count by views, our, our most popular episode. I didn't even know that. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, by by leagues in a way actually because oh, wow. they distributed us through their um, their Patreon feed as well. So we went out to all of their audience. We've got the good old boys on the pod and we had a damn good time with them because <laughs> we discussed the uh the oeuvre of uh jean-claude van damme and the, right. the, the films for, for those who are not uh conversant in french like i am <laughs> those uh those are the the films uh that uh jean-claude van damme has starred in and you know probably produced or, or what have you so we we did a retrospective on his films and it was just for me, from my perspective, I'm uh, I subscribe to uh, the good old boys, listen to Bach and Marek and Fredo uh, every week, pretty much. So this was for me a bit of a meet your heroes moment. It was mm-hmm. awesome to have them on, and uh, and indeed to get into uh, the the work of Van Dam because like it's just such a kind of like. 80s movies 80s martial arts movies it's all about you know masculinity it's all about you know being uh it's it's so you know to say it's pre-woke is like you know does it a disservice because it is positively so anti-woke it's like you know it's like it's you know it's before it's what wokeness was reacting against and that is yeah basically right yeah yeah, so that it's just these are fucking awesome movies and so yeah we we enjoy digging into blood sport kickboxer double impact and just talking about jean-claude van damme and what it means to be a man yep no, one hundred percent. Yeah, no, I, I never really seen much of uh, John Claude Van Damme's work beforehand, <laughs> but I consider myself the better off for having watched Bloodsport and for having talked about it with three uh, distinguished gentlemen, <laughs> including yourself, Dan. Um, but yeah, no, no I mean that was great, and uh, good old boys. Hopefully, we do another one with them soon. Yep. And uh, yeah, they're continuing to like, you know. You you should listen to uh, the Good Old Boys podcast because they uh, every week do like uh, news roundups, but they also have like great guests. They've had Angela Nagel on. They've had Yarvin on. They have like these random professors on. Yeah, and talk about like really uh, kind of sophisticated stuff, which is so like, they're super learned about history and and everything like that. You know, there's a very fun element to the Good Old Boys podcast, but there's also it's like it's a serious, very serious podcast at the same time, and very intellectual. Absolutely, and uh, serious and intellectual is uh, perhaps a good segue to uh, poetry grifting with Steph. And mm-hmm. uh, that was our follow-up episode to the the good old boys. And I remember when I, I told her initially, you're going to go on right after a, an episode. She didn't know who the good old boys were. An episode with the good old boys, she was like, ah. <laughs> but uh, now I, I think she uh, she knows who the good old boys are and uh, probably enjoys them. Yep. And so Steph is a poet uh she is uh a kind of fixture on our side of twitter she um tweets like a, a lot of uh very like insightful and um you know uh 
you know, she's a, she's a good poster uh, in addition to being a good poet and yep. gets uh, a lot of engagement, gets a lot of people, you know, commenting and um, you know, she's. Uh, yeah. I remember she was, I didn't know who stuff. she was, but she was an earlier follower of ours and definitely became a, a good friend of the pod. Um, and yeah, as you said, I, I admit I have not, I was, this was an episode you did solo and I haven't read as much of Steph's work as I would like to have, but um she's absolutely um you know a very talented poet in a, in a in a scene where a lot of us are like writing short stories uh she's definitely one of the premier poets yeah and did readings on this episode so we had people writing in saying like uh it's it's amazing to listen to this uh this girl read poetry and steph was you know said to me something like have these people ever heard poetry before <laughs> and uh you know who knows you know maybe maybe some of us haven't but uh it's you know it was a good episode and she's a good reader and uh yeah i know she has a collection coming out a collection of her poetry coming out soon ish next year maybe and um i know i'll buy a copy so Definitely. i yeah. I, you know, uh, encourage our listeners to as well, because she's very Definitely. talented. Yeah, I know, for sure. I think that leads us to uh, definitely this one. This one feels significant. This next one. Um, Absolutely. On the constellation of podcasting. Oh, man, Dan, you've talked about John Kennedy tool on Art of Darkness. We've talked about this. <laughs> what more is there to say? But so maybe I'll take it away here. You, uh, go ahead, Matt. <laughs> your book, Not Cranker, has been noted by yourself, but as well as by many uh, <laughs> other figures as having certain similarities to A Confederacy of Dunces by John Kennedy Toole. Uh, I had never read A Confederacy of Dunces. I knew it was a favorite book of yours. It took me a while to actually get to it. I kind of had been meaning to ever since we first started talking, you know, back in 2021. And you told me that your book was uh, kind of similar to this book. Um, and then you described the plot to me and I thought it sounded hilarious. It took me a while. It took me until this last summer to get to it, but I'm glad that I did. Um, Confederacy of Dunces by John Kennedy Toole. One of the absolute, uh, you know, great American novels and uh, one of the one of the greatest humorous novels. Very, very funny. And as you have noted, and as people like Geo and others have noted, you know, very much kind of a uh, prescient in kind of predicting the scene of the kind of shit posters that we that we have in our scene and um doing this, doing this episode with you i mean i'm not going to be corny and say it was like an emotional thing but like i don't know it felt like because as funny as a confederacy dunces is it kind of is also about you know being a, a man outsider. against time so to yeah. speak uh sort of not in a super based way but you know what i mean um no no being, being a man who with that sense of being born in the wrong times which i think is an affliction that faces many of us. And I think we were able to sort of channel that into the episode and it became, I, a lot of people cite this one as, as a favorite episode of theirs that I've talked to. Yeah. Of, of ours, um, as being a sort of, uh, just something to rally around, uh, novels like that and the way that they can still be read. Yeah. You know, no, um, I, I don't want to cast any shade on our guests or whatever, but this probably is my favorite episode. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, thank you for reading a, a Confederacy of Dunces, Matt. And thank you for like, you know, pushing to make this episode happen because not only did it give me obviously a chance to talk about Nutcranker, but um, 
I've always felt a, uh, for better or worse, a sort of psychic kinship with John Kennedy tool. Yep. And uh, I think, you know, many of who, uh, you know, it should be said, not only is the character he created in a confederacy of dunces, Ignatius J. Riley, an outsider, as I discussed on the, the, this pod, but also the art of darkness pod with uh, Kevin Kelly and or, <laughs> with Brad Kelly and Kevin oh. Kautzman, uh, <clears throat> That he, uh, the John Kennedy tool is a, a, an outsider par excellence as well. He was. And um, yeah, so this, this was an opportunity to kind of talk about Dunce's tool and, you know, and what it means to be an outsider today. And that is, you know, that is where we find ourselves in some respects. And, you know, crucially, um, tool uh, as we discussed on the episode and as many of you probably know his story is a tragic one he took his own life and, and never mm-hmm. got to see a confederacy of dunces uh, succeed and become uh, a cultural touchstone and yeah. um so though his his you know story could be construed as a, a black pill story well, there's a white pill at the end of it, and it's that you know his work survived. His a confederacy of dunces got out there, and uh, I think on the episode we remarked that um, you know we we wish that tool had had the kind of brotherhood that we do, and the, you know yeah. the ability to like he wrote something that you know, something amazing, something awesome that like no one was ever he thought no one would ever read. Well, like the no one's you know, in the mainstream published Nutcranker, no one in the mainstream published Dragon Day, but people are still reading it. And that's, you know, I think that's something that gives us a lot of, um, you know, a real shot in the arm. And um, it's, you know, it's, I I wish that uh, Tool had the uh, community, soundscape, <laughs> the community that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, for sure. That's kind of how we, signed off on the episode and uh you know yeah is very much what i mean and when it's kind of an, an episode to to rally around yeah yeah um, no, definitely no de- for sure we are man we're still only in august should we should <laughs> we uh accelerate here just a little bit yeah we can yeah. like we can put the step on the gas a little bit yeah i mean so our next couple were with just kind of two other um members of our uh, broader community that I think we've, we've, I think we've already highlighted both of them to, to a certain extent, but we did an episode with Stain Haynes. And then not long after that, an episode with the Prudentialist, which was a simulcast. Um, anything you want to say about Stained and the Prudentialist other than that people should absolutely, you know, follow both of them. Yeah. So uh, Stained Haynes, he's a man about town in New York. He organized a reading in October where I read T.R. Hudson stories Stained also has an apparel line with uh, it's called 718 TV with these kind of like uh, provocative uh, kind of cartoon images that somehow are not quite, uh, you know, like um, political, but yet dissident. They capture a dissident yeah. spirit or emotion. Sure. And so he is a uh, he's a real artist, Stained Haynes, and also a writer. He's published some great stuff. He's the one of the editors, uh, perhaps I, I think the editor in chief or the publisher. He is the publisher. There's a different editor in chief of Cars and Women magazine. 
And so he is another, you know, uh, content creator out there influencing the, the scene. We love Stained. He's a friend of the pod. The Prudentialist, there's a guy who is uh, just, you know, really contributing an incredible amount to the culture. He is, he has his streams. He, um, he has all of his articles that he writes. He has, you know, one of the better Twitter accounts out there. He is a, uh, not only a kind of like a cultural warrior for the right, for, uh, you know, more uh, traditional uh, return to, um, you know, tradition of sorts. He, uh, he also is a uh, curator of the culture. So he had, uh, he had us on to talk about fiction on the right because he has an interest in that. And uh, furthermore, he, uh, he had me on specifically to talk about Nutcranker. And I thank yep. Prudentialist for that. I thank him for blurbing Nutcranker, for his interest in uh for his interesting art on the right and um he prudentialist is a guy who gets it and i should also say he's you know there's a reason why his streams on youtube are incredibly popular the guy has a great um you know manner on you know he, mm -hmm. he knows how he's a host he knows how to host he knows how to ask people great questions he is comfortable on the mic this is a man who uh is the uh, the the based? Um, I'm not going to say so the problem is all of our late night hosts are cringe, so I don't want to say the based Jimmy Fallon or something because that's insulting. But the based mm. uh, the based Dick Cavett, I guess. Yeah, you know, for sure. Go. No, he's uh, very very talented. And I admit, I actually still haven't listened to your conversation with him on Nutcranker. I'll put it on my list. Uh, you know, to listen to over the next couple of weeks as we round out the year here. But um, no, Prudentialist is is absolutely you know a talented guy to follow. Uh, I think that brings us to September, making some progress here. Not that That's this right. work. Um, we did, and I don't want to say too much about this one. Uh, other than that, uh, it was another one that I've I've actually often heard people say it was like a real. Uh, people like the Matt and Dan episodes. They'll say that they like the guests, but some of our. We've really struck gold with some of these ones where we've done just a conversation, you and I. This was one about the show Entourage. We called it Entourage in the Golden Age of White Boy Summer. Um, I had kind of finally watched Entourage after having been told about it for years this this past year and um, really thought it captured very well um, a period of time, uh, you know, Absolutely. In the late 2000s to the very early 2010s, kind of the cultural change that happened at the kind of at very end of um, the 2000s and with the financial crash, the kind of end of one era, beginning of um, another more turbulent times, kind of, you know, weak men creating the uh, hard times Absolutely. a little bit element. Uh, but you, you know, being a little bit older than me, all had a different take on it. Um, you kind of had seen it more while it was coming out. And I think we, I think one of the reasons this episode was, was good and, and got some positive responses was because of that sort of um, time capsule element and the way we were able to kind of have a dialogue about that change in Absolutely. the garden. That still matters now, you know, that change from 2008 to 2012 or so. Uh, well, Bush so era to Obama. Crucially, era. We, we, the title yeah. is Entourage and the Golden Age of White Boy Summer. And so that was kind of our take on uh, Entourage, that it, it highlighted a kind of high watermark for uh, 
well for white boys <laughs> in a sense <laughs> yeah basically and, uh, yeah. not so it's it's like it's a bit of a, a sardonic title like obviously the uh, early 2000s were not a high water high water mark for white boys you know obviously a lot was already going quite wrong and you know it was the the groundwork had been laid for everything we have today this uh but that being said it was a more carefree era there was much less in the way of political correctness. It was pre me too. And, you know, if you're in Hollywood in like the early two thousands and you're, you know, a rich dude, uh, you're, you're, you're living well, you're having a good time. Yeah. And so this was, it was a refreshing look at a more innocent era. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of people like the show and like the episode is because it has that kind of enjoyable nostalgia to it. Um, and yeah, no, definitely, definitely a good, definitely a good addition to our, uh, our program here. Um, the next episode we did was the aforementioned follow-up with Isaac Simpson. This one was about current events at the time, the sort of dark Brandon moment had recently happened. So we talk about that. Um, I believe we got into some kind of predictions about how the midterms might or might not go. Of course, we all know how they ended up going, um so you know this episode is probably not the funnest one to look back on because now, <laughs> whatever the political moment was then it's kind of changed now and i mean i don't know how much we want to get into topical political matters but you know yeah well, kind of a bummer is, here for electoral politics yeah yeah the thing that to note here is that isaac you know he's a guy who's really plugged into the politics he's plugged into the kind of the the political war that's going on and, you know, regardless of whatever our predictions were, uh, Isaac's a guy to look to for predictions because, um, you know, he's he has an, his finger on the pulse of politics. Yeah, kind nation. of like his friend, aforementioned uh, friend, Sean Moynihan. He's, um, you know, he comes out of we didn't even mention this before. It's relevant to his work. He comes out of the public relations uh, and advertising sort of world and has um, he's very interested in the way that these things have an effect on the culture and also how you know the types of insight that that kind of small group of people who works in that industry sort of can have on the way things are going so um another reason to follow the carousel is as you said uh for those that kind of uh speculative cultural predictions absolutely bringing us to uh one of the foremost writers in our sphere big uh bap is a big fan of him the good old boys are a big fan of him he has a lot of fans. Uh, he, uh, you know, Matt Forney gave him, uh, you know, some press you know, way back in the day. But uh, mm-hmm. we were very lucky to have him on the podcast. We, Samuel uh, Finley. Yep. Samuel Finley. We, uh, we, you know, joined the Dirt Cult with Samuel Finley and discussed his novel, Breakfast with the Dirt Cult, which uh, chronicles yep. his experience as an American soldier in Afghanistan in the early 2000s and the cultural decline at home. Yes. No, just one of the best and older, you know, additions to the kind of uh, frog Twitter literature, or not even frog Twitter, but you know what I mean? The the kind of dissident right literature canon is Breakfast with the Dirt Cold. It came out about 10 years ago, but it kind of came into a much bigger audience over the past couple of years um, when he did a podcast with Bronze Age Pervert on Caribbean Rhythms. You know, he's also done podcasts with the good old boys as you mentioned he's kind of it's it's an it's a it's a good it's a nice narrative you know someone 
was unable, you know, he'd he very much as, you know, one of the type of writers that we talk about here, he was not able to publish his <laughs> book with the mainstream, you know, publishing world and kind of ended up self-publishing. Uh, I think that it did find a, a good audience. There's a good kind of old tacky mag uh, review of it. As you said, uh, Matt Forney was an early fan of it, but it is kind of, uh, it's a good narrative because even, even eight years after being published, it kind of founded uh, a new audience. It had a bit of a, uh, a renaissance of people reading it um, just these past couple of years. And, uh, you know, we were, we were honored that we could kind of be part of bringing Samuel Finley and bringing uh, Rex the Dirt Cult to a new, this this new uh, expanding audience of people that are listening to podcasts like ours that are interested in literature coming out of this space. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Sam, uh, come back on the pod. We, uh, it, was, it was wonderful. We'd love to have you back at some point. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we hope to see more writing from him. He writes uh, for I Am uh, 1776. I Am 1776, that's right. Yeah. Publications. Um, I don't know if he has plans for more fiction in the near future, but he's definitely remains an active voice. So if you're not that's familiar, right. definitely check him out. Uh, that, then we up, have a bit of a, what's up? Next up is a uh, a Matt Pegas special. Yeah, no, the episode I did with Alex Kazemi, um, Man, we're getting into recent times, so it's like <clears throat> there's less of a nostalgia, like looking back on our year element. This is one that's still kind of active in my mind. Um, and I don't know. I don't want to do too much recapping on this one. The The subject matter is a little different than a lot of other episodes. Again, it kind of gets into the more esoteric topics that I've been delving into. Um, I would say just if that sounds interesting, just, just definitely listen to this episode. Alex is a, a good friend now. Um, and you know, someone who I'd kind of been turned on to very early on, um, referenced in Mike Ma's book, which is the, the, our first episode from 2021 was on harassment architecture and just kind of been Alex's work is something that's been influential on me pretty much since that time. So as you say, with the good old boys, this was very much of a meet your, uh, heroes moment for me and uh, a real honor to be able to do this pod. Um, the yeah. last thing I'll say about this is, uh, you know, I, I've kind of semi-announced this on Twitter, but I'm going to be publishing a collection of short stories and kind of essays that I've previously written, as well as some original material uh, within the first six or so months of the new year. It's going to be called The Black Album. Um, and uh, definitely it was kind of after doing this pod with Alex Kazemi that sort of inspired me. Like I should really get some of this stuff together and uh, put this new new work out there. Uh, so look forward to that. Absolutely. And uh, this was an episode that was enjoyed by many. Uh, a lot of our, you know, more, uh, you know, uh, regular listeners, but also listeners who are uh, from uh, maybe not quite uh, the same political silo we're in. They yes. uh, appreciated this episode and the different perspectives that um, it, uh, you know, uncovered. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, check sure. it out. And then um, on the kind of opposite end of the spectrum, <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> in terms of someone who is very much on the right wing side of things, uh, the next one was another Matt Pegasus solo. Uh, you were kind of busy promoting Nutcranker at this time. Which is pretty I was getting my nut, uh, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I yeah. did an episode with the great Thomas 777 and uh, regarding his book, um, Steel Storm, his sort of Dune uh, military science fiction inspired, but relatively short sort of, uh, you know, not, it's not like some big epic long thing that you have to be like a, a massive fan of science fiction to get into. 
uh, Antelope Hill, or actually not Antelope Hill, um, Imperium Press published this book of Thomas Sevens that I really was very impressed by. It's, it's extremely well written. Um, a lot of people know Thomas Seven 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 for his based historical takes, but um, he really is a very good writer as well. And I did this episode with both Thomas as well as his frequent collaborator, Aaron Cummings, who's a bit of a uh, Zoomer. Uh, you know, Thomas 777 is obviously kind of one of the older members of our sphere, but um, he does this pod, Loud Sound Epicenter, with Aaron Cummings, uh, which is a lot of it's kind of about rock and roll and sort of not, not directly about politics, but about music. Um, so the conversation I ended up having with Thomas as well as Aaron was very uh, multifaceted. And I think we got into some, some great topics. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, that was, uh, you know, sorry, I couldn't be on it. And um, I I really enjoyed listening to it. And not just uh, for the stuff you got into with Thomas, but Aaron had some really good insights too about being a, uh, about being a zoomer and uh, zoomer in today's culture. And uh, you know, they are like a real great pairing, him and Thomas. It's, they are. Uh, yeah. It's a real uh, May-December uh, romance there. <laughs> Not to uh, um, suggest any. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I mean? No, um, no, no, Aaron's great. I, I hope we have him and I hope, frankly, I hope we have Thomas back on the pod at some point. Um, there's a lot to delve into. Sure. Aaron's a real, he's all, getting another one of these guys who's really well connected with like the Prudentialists and Geo and stuff. And he's kind of a good pusher of like stuff branching out a little bit safely without too much compromise of OPSEC, but nevertheless into real life. He's actually um, active in the Fresno state college Republicans. He's a uh, fellow Californian. Yeah. I mean, who knew uh, they had Republicans at Fresno state, but. Oh yeah. No, I mean, Fresno is a very conservative area. Oh really? Yeah. I oh, just yeah. assumed all of California, but. Uh, no, Fresno is like central Valley. Yeah. Deep rural uh, kind of farming community. Um, oh wow! It's Red America out there, um, and yeah, no, Aaron, Aaron does. Aaron's a very charismatic guy, and we look yeah. forward to seeing what what more he gets into in twenty twenty three and beyond. So that brings us to the future of Descent with Mark Granza, and this was one we were trying to get for a long time. Very great to you know finally have uh, Mark on the pod. Mark is the editor in chief and founder of I'm seventeen seventy six and the very popular I Am Magazine. And uh, yeah, he, he has just produced, you know, kind of like these are I Am Magazine, especially it's an actual physical magazine that features articles about the culture, articles about politics from a dissident and right wing perspective. He's published authors such as Ben Braddock. Catherine D, Samuel Finley, just people from across the Michael Anton from across the the ideological spectrum. I am seventeen seventy six is the uh, the home, I believe, more or less of Lafayette Lee, who is writing some of the best uh, you know political and social commentary around right now. So uh, it was really a pleasure to sit with Mark to get his take on not only you know politics and culture but on um, how I am 1776 came to be and what yep. his, his plans are for it and for the, uh, you know, the, the national populist, right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, similar to what you said about man's world, I am 1776. No, these just high gloss, great cultural products of our sphere that people should check out both in its presence online, but also it's really fantastic, uh, you know, Absolutely. physical publications. Yeah. 
uh, well, without further ado, because we uh, are, uh, it's, it's, uh, we've been on for a little while, we're going to go to the next one, uh, Art in the Dark with Kevin Kautzman. And uh, yeah, Kevin, we've talked a lot about him already. Big friend of yep. the pod. It Kevin is the uh, one of the founders and co-hosts of Art of Darkness. He is the founder of Bad Mouth Theater Company, which is a theater company based in Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota, where he you know produces uh, and, and reads plays that are, uh, if not dissident. Are not he's he is by no means beholden to the kind of liberal and uh, progressive consensus mm-hmm. that governs the theater industry, and he himself is the author of an excellent play, Moderation, which uh, is you know very uh, relevant today because it is about uh, uh, moderators on a Twitter-like site yeah. uh, who have to you know kind of decide what to censor, what not to censor and the toll it takes on them personally. And, uh, you know, frankly, he is, um, you know, writing stuff that's on the, the forefront, the, you know, the pulse of the culture. And he's a great guy. He's a friend of the Yeah, pod. no, he's um, really, really very you know, good-natured. Very vol- He's a pleasure to have Kevin on. This was our second episode with him and probably not our last. Um <clears throat> He, uh, we had a pretty sprawling conversation where we talked a lot about uh, their episode on Crowley, uh, which was coming out with Art of Dark Pod not long long after after we posted this one. And uh, yeah, no, just so always a pleasure to have Kevin on. Absolutely, Kevin, uh, Kevin's the best, and uh, the best. We'll, we'll see him soon, I'm sure. Yeah, and uh, that we... brings us to another repeat guest. That's right. Uh, and now we're really getting here sometimes. What's up? Oh, no, I said that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we I mean, took we the so, egg Benedict option with Ryag Nationalist. The return of Ryag Nationalist. And I think we've pretty much covered uh, Raw Egg's output, but, um, you know, it was great back on. This Absolutely. was when we first had him on, that was before the uh, now infamous or now, you know, legendary uh, End of Men documentary on Tucker Carlson Originals. Uh, when we first had him on, it was kind of in the lead up to that and then we were able to actually talk about um that that documentary with him um which is indeed uh, well worth checking out and absolutely know. yeah he's um yeah he is you know not only is that documentary worth checking out you should buy the eggs benedict option because you know rarely are you going to find a kind of like a book that gives you really good diet advice with really trenchant political analysis this is that book it's the only one Definitely. You gotta buy it. It's um, it's Ryak Nationalist, folks, for sure. And I'll let you take away um, this last episode we posted. I don't know if you also want to talk. I guess we'll, we'll be posting. No, we could go into the most. Yeah, yeah we'll post in Phoebe yeah. soon, so I might as well. But uh, yeah, the next episode is exit opportunities with Bennett's phylactery. Bennett is uh, an awesome guy. And uh, I got to talk with him about this uh, group he founded called Exit Group, which uh, helps men create um, not only jobs, but uh, social circles outside of the corporate monoculture. And not just like, yes, if you are doxxed or something, yeah, you do need to kind of find potentially, uh, you know, you need to create an alternative uh career track that isn't beholden to 
global homo. But, um, you know, that that's not the only reason why you would use something like exit group. You would use uh, exit group, which is, you know, a kind of like a networking site and community that Bennett has put together that uh, helps men find these, you know, create these lives outside of the system. And you would use that just if you want a life outside of the system. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, like I, I myself, like some of the stuff like in corporate life, it's like, oh, God, how, how much longer can I go to listen to this diversity stuff? How much longer mm -hmm. can I, you know, uh, you know, listen to people say things that I manifestly know to be wrong and, you know, you know, frankly, pernicious and harmful. And, um, you know, it's it's very encouraging that someone out there is putting together a program to get us to the next step. And that is exactly yeah, what sure. Bennett is doing. Uh, Bennett has uh, also uh, contributed a short story to Passage Prize last year. I read it before this episode. It's really, and I'm not just saying this, it is one of the better stories that I've read that coming out of our sphere. And um, I wasn't necessarily expecting that because Bennett is known for uh, this exit group, for his podcast, for his organizing, but uh, he's a, an extremely talented writer. And this is no, a short is story. Good. I enjoyed the story a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, this, this is one I really regretted not being able to join. But as you as you said better than I could, you know, Bennett is really doing um, some very good work and a different kind of work. I suppose than you know than, than a lot of other uh, you know he's not Rag Nationalist with the magazine but he's like really putting the groundwork into building a sort of social capital and, and kind of a, another way not just literarily but all, but you know in terms of physical like who knows who building a network building you know building alternative institutions absolutely so I know I'm going to be on uh, Bennett's pod this week to discuss Nutcranker great. so uh, great, you know great. stay tuned it's. Uh, this is the uh, the faculty party circuit, as we uh, we said with <laughs> Kevin Kautzman, and we uh, yeah. we all a mutual admiration society. And in fact, mutual admiration society, I it's entered my lexicon, but I got it from our next guest, uh, Phoebe Phoebe um, Phoebe Near. She uh, she is the this episode has not yet been posted, but it will be this week. She is the organizer and host of the DeVere Ball, which was uh, a, an event in New York City over the summer, mm -hmm. which uh, drew uh, the creme de la creme of uh, New York society. And people drew uh, uh, Curtis Yarvin, Jack Mason of Perfume Nationalist, and uh, many others, many from our scene. Nick was yeah. there. Just many, many people who uh, you, you might know or recognize. <laughs> and um, mm. it um, was really just a great night. It was, uh, you know, and it was devoted crucially. Yes. So it's like it's Chris heated, Edward right? Devere. Yeah, yeah there, there will be a new Devere ball on the 28th of January. I will be there. Others will be there. Ariel Pink, I think, will be there. Yes, Ariel Pink will be there. But, uh, there uh, is a chance I will be there. We yeah, please, please come. Matt. See, I, it, it would be great. Yeah. Uh, crucially, the Devere Ball is uh, De, the reason for the Devere Ball is Edward Devere, who uh, Phoebe and many others uh, postulate is the actual author of William Shakespeare's works. And so 
that's um you know phoebe she's a great okay so phoebe also has produced directed and written a very good uh film called eco village which right, I gotta watch know, I, yeah yeah i highly recommend it i don't think they've found a distributor yet but uh yeah it's it, it will be coming out soon i'm sure and it is you know uh i, I kind of describe it on the pod as christopher guest meets david lynch and mm-hmm. if that sounds weird as hell it is <laughs> but it, it uh-huh. works really it works really well this is like a it's a you know it's a kind of like girl goes to a commune it turns into a cult it gets really weird and the ending is not at all what you would expect and it's like yeah. in, in some parts like a rock musical so if i haven't sold you by then like <laughs> come on it sounds really cool and uh, but yeah, getting back to like the Shakespeare authorship question. So one of the reasons why I think initially when we discussed is, you know, Phoebe Wright for the pod, like, is she, you know, is this, you know, w- w- why do we have the Shakespeare? We don't usually have like party organizers on, yeah. uh, it, you know, the Shakespeare authorship question is uh, suggestive of a broader kind of uh, a movement where people outside of mainstream academia are doing serious scholarly work. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, the people debating the Shakespeare authorship question are uh, people who um, the mainstream academics say are, you know, wrong or silly or whatever. Yeah. But increasingly, as the these institutions have become more and more captured, the good work is happening outside. And so definitely he, there is. No, as as you say, like it seems like a weird pairing in some ways, as the whole Deverable phenomenon yeah. it seems like a weird. You know, it's like what does that have to do with uh, dissident politics? But it's the it's a similar thing. It's an un it's a it's a it's a it's a point of view that for whatever reason has been excluded from mainstream uh, discourse, uh, finding its way in this new age of the internet where people kind of make their own communities and find their own dialogue about it. Um, and I guess. Yarvin is that what, what's the term not Stratfordian the opposite uh Oxfordian Oxfordian because, I guess uh, Yarvin's an Oxfordian you know among many other dissident points of view so yeah maybe yeah the origin of that but that brings us to present day that was our most recent episode which will be up relatively soon we're just doing the final cut and uh that was a year in the the life of Madden Dan the life. and yeah. the life of uh you right absolutely um it's been a great year indeed and um you know oh, fun yeah. to recap with you uh obviously i was absent those last couple so i'm kind of excited and have energy to hit the ground running in 23 um we won't reveal who our first guest will be here but, but um you'll be seeing them soon and um you know i kind of mentioned that i'm probably going to be you know publishing a book in the next six months i'm kind of fast at work at that hard at work at that rather um i don't know if you have any other things to sort of flag or, or a tease for 23 dan but so i'm off. going yeah. to launch a sub stack and i'm going to i think um uh, inaugurate it with a short story i've been working on called the uh the doxing <laughs> dom it is like a, a tiktok uh you know cringe tiktok girl who uh men uh 
you know, right wing men pay to, uh, to dox them. It's, <laughs> it's very, uh, you know, much like Nutcranker, it kind of pushes the envelope in many, uh, sexual and other respects. Yeah, so, uh, if you, that. if you like, uh, my deranged, uh, thoughts, well, you'll, you'll find it on my sub stack, which I will be launching soon. This will be the inaugural, uh, short story. So, uh, yeah, uh, you'll, I'll, I'll tell you all about that on the timeline. Don't worry. For sure. So between new writing from Dan and I and new new write episodes, um, you know, we're hoping for a content filled 2023. And as kind of previously mentioned, hopefully some good in real life um, meetups as well. And uh, we think that's going to be good. As always, uh, Peter Thiel, please come on the pod. Uh, we, yeah. we are open for uh, all sorts of conversations. So uh, <laughs> see yeah, looking forward to a happy and prosperous 2023. Absolutely. All right.